competitive 40k network presents art of war art of war strategy and tactics discussions with the best players on the planet on the planet with your host paul murphy and expert coach nick nanavati Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of the Art of War podcast. My name is Paul Murphy. I'm joined by Nick Nanavati. Hello, hello everyone. How you doing? Nick, this is awesome. We get to talk to Mr. Brad Townsend. How's it going? Bradley and I I have gone back for years. Uh, it's so good to have you on, Brad. Thank you. Good to be here. Yeah, been a, been a competitor on the scene for quite some time. Uh, doing well on the scene consistently over the years. It's a pleasure to talk to you. Thanks, Paul. We actually, you actually did really well with Thousand Sons. Thousand Sons, I think, had kind of been knocking on the door of, you know, I don't say effectiveness or whatever, but, you know, they've certainly benefited from the tweaks. Uh, and people have always kind of assumed they had the power. You've unlocked it. You went 6 0 at the Lone Star Open. And we want to ask you how you did it and also detail what's in your list. Awesome. The Thousand Sons have been one of those one of those ones that I feel like have really benefited from all the all the recent changes. Really strong secondary gameplay, all three phases, all that stuff. I but before took, you get going with the list, though, let's tell us where are you from. And oh, I'm, you know, well, I'm in Dallas, Texas. Um, I've been all around. I started in California, was up in Minnesota for about a decade, and now I'm down here in the South. And so you were just talking about the uh, the 105 good heat. <laughs> yeah the trans i went from beach community to frozen tundra to uh, 115 degrees sometimes in the summer it's a uh, it's a good time it's, Brad, it's nice down here your 40k experience around the country has been about as wild as your temperature changes you start off in san diego is that right uh no at los angeles area so i'd, I'd go down to san diego and meet up with reese and them way back in the day like third edition and um uh, but yeah it's uh used to go to the gts up in seattle and all across the country back when GW still ran them. And yeah, so been, been it. And then up in the frozen north of Minnesota, now down to Texas. You've seen the, the like nationwide meta through the years. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's interesting how each region is very different in the way that they approach things. It's, it's, uh, can be a lot of fun up, up north. It was a little bit more relaxed. Everybody was, was, was into it, but it was more relaxed down here. There's a lot of people clamoring to, to try and get a get on get on the board, so to speak. So that's really cool. It's a, not many people have that much of a robust, uh, diverse set of 40k events and experiences to go through. So that's really cool. What's like some interesting stuff you found regionally? We'll get into your list in just a minute, but you know this is a unique opportunity to talk about this. Yeah, no, I mean, so I mean, I started in, in, in California back before competitive got competitive. So it was, uh, it was interesting there. They had a lot of leagues and, you know, we'd have GTs and stuff out there, but it was pretty, it was the most relaxed, probably the three places I played or the three places I've lived and played. Minnesota was, uh, we had a lot of really good guys up there. At one point, three of us went to the, what were on the ETC team together and came out, but it was still a little bit more relaxed of an environment. Everybody was wanted to help and get better, but it wasn't, it didn't ever felt cutthroat or, or super super intense um and then coming down here to texas was a bit of an experience uh coming in it, they just it's a it's a different environment but uh it's been a good one there's a lot of a lot of guys down here that are the hobby's kind of regrowing it feels like from from where it was back when uh all the all the other guys used to hail from here so it's it's a lot of people which is really cool i haven't been in an area since california where you know your your random rtt's for, for sell out with 20 people in 15 minutes kind of thing. So a lot 
of players, a lot of pull, a lot of new experiences, and everybody kind of looks at the rules a little bit different way everywhere you go. Everybody's got different interpretations. So that's gotten a lot better because GW's gotten better at it, but it's always been an interesting thing as you travel around the country and you're like, wait, how do you do that here? Okay, cool. So, yeah. Good to know. Well, especially things like how terrain works. I mean, there's those are some some differences that can vary from store to store and, and being able to engage in that dialogue and know how to engage that dialogue when you're going into new areas or at least be open to it is an important step. Yeah, I, I feel like that's the biggest thing is it, traveling a lot and being in a lot of different places and having been in different communities. It's, it's literally about being open to however they do it, not demanding they do it the way that you do it. Nice. Let's hear about that list. All right. Uh, so I brought my my thousand sons. I played about uh, thirty games with this before this event, and it was at ATC the week before. Um, I didn't change it at all from ATC, but it starts with Ahriman, um, and then an, on a disc, Exalted Sorcerer on a disc, um, the Infernal Master, because I do like for the knights to have a little bit of extra strength in my bolters. I take a, a slotless sorcerer, um, and then I have five by five rubric. Two of them are just bolters with uh, the Soul Reaper cannons. Those are kind of just my backfield guys and, and my more throwaway dudes. Uh, then I have two units of five that are all flamed out. So it's four flamers and a flame pistol. And then one uh, that's three flamers, flame pistol, and a Soul Reaper. Um, those are kind of, and then just a squad of cultists that are for move blocking, backfield stuff, kind of just a, a trash unit for randos. And then I have two of the giant Terminator pack um missile launchers no 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 soul reaper cannons in them and then one of those squads has the knows an extra power another squad um has the ability to actions while still being able to shoot um and that is the entirety of the list <laughs> when 840 points gets eaten up by or 860 points gets eaten up by two units you tend to have a smaller smaller go of little things. footprint we'll talk about that yeah. like i also want to remind folks this is part one of a two-part show and this episode we'll be talking about the list some secondaries maybe Maybe some some command point expenditure options and uh, you know your general approach uh, to how you perform with the list in part two, bringing you down to the nitty gritty about maybe how to to both both meet and beat. Uh, this list and how you uh, engage with, with other armies out there. Uh, this is, you know, is this considered a meta buster? Uh, I don't feel like it is. Um, I feel like it's just one of those lists that in the right hands, you can kind of just roll with whatever comes at you. I feel like it's really, really flexible. Um, I don't think it, it, I think it has some trouble with blood angels and sisters in the meta built the right way and played the right way. I think those are some very rough matchups for it, but I feel like it's still got the tools to play into those and, and kind of dig you out of some situations where some armies just don't have what you need regardless of the matchup and this feels like it does let's talk about your I'm really excited to get Thousand Sons on the podcast in the first place. It's been a long time since we've had them on. Like you said, Brad, the, the scale to this army really is where you see its strength come out. You know, it's, there's so many endless opportunities to teleport and just use your stratagems and use your units. And you, as you said, you don't have many, so you have to be very particular with all of your actions and, and your choices. So super excited to just get into it. Uh, Paul, where do you want to start off? Yeah, well, let's talk with the starting command points. Uh, and then, you know, Thousand Sons has this other thing called the Cabal Points. So I, I'd like to know about, you know, maybe a d decision to start with the command points that you do uh and then did you engineer the level of cabal points and how important that is to you so um the the command points i start with two um that was in in the older bit um i still had a, a specific war gear or yeah relic item that would have brought me down to one but with the changes um i feel like i need to have three when the game starts um for me to be able depending on my opponent to be able to reduce damage or to have enough to put a unit out there for infiltration um to for that midfield game so i start with two because that gives me 
the opportunity to either do that midfield play at the beginning of the game or to have enough for the uh, for the damage reduction on, on Terminators if I might get alpha. Um, so that's kind of the, the, the setup there because I can get to three. As long as I start with one or two, I can generally, if I don't go first, I can get to three because I can generate an extra one using moving into the cabal points using cabal points. But how much of that, sorry, was, was like play testing and figuring it out that two, two is a sweet spot for starting out with this army because there's so many great ways to spend your CP here. There, there's an insane number of good ways. No, so it was about 20 games in the old version, um, and and that I always really liked having uh, that extra uh, relic item, which is the ori, which is you know negates the wounds or wound caps and things like that, negates cover. But I found that it needing to ha- or needing to be able to not lose an entire Terminator unit if, say, something like Sasha's uh, speeders get loose and start unloading damage three plasma into my guys on turn one. Um, I need to be able to, to still have that Terminator squad around. So it was kind of a I had to give up. Had to give up a good amount of offense just to make sure that I was around to be able to play the game later. I love that you mentioned Sasha Speeder. Sasha was a guest we just had on the Art of War podcast just a few episodes ago with his Raven Wings. If you missed that episode, definitely go back and check it out. Going back to your list, though, what about the Cabal points? Was was there a deliberate plan for your Cabal points? Do you just view it as like value adds or like insurance on passing a few spells here or there? What was what's the use here? Explain what Cabal points are too to anybody that may be unfamiliar with Thousand Sons. Yeah, so the uh, the cabal points are an extra resource, basically that that I'm allowed to use in the psychic phase to do additional items or to make things um, go off automatically. Uh, the most calm in. I used to only have about 18 of them, um, but then we all got free icons over and over again with the change. Um, so it jumped to 22, and it 20, 20-ish feels like about a, about a sweet spot. Uh, allows you to lose a squad, still have enough, um, but the general idea was there's there's you can auto-pass a power for eight um, Cabal points, so if you've got a power out there and it's got a specific warp charge value and you're worried about making it or they're out of denies and you definitely want to hit that number, um, you, can, you can use the eight Cabal points for that. Four Cabal points um can basically auto generate you an extra command point which is super helpful in those matches where you need it it can also just automatically increase damage you can add uh for four cabal points you can add d3 to any d3 mortals to anything that's already done mortal wounds i generally found myself doing an undeniable which is uh you can for seven or eight cabal points you can make a make a power that you cast undeniable so your opponents even sisters don't get to use those strats for the four up to stop you but that's it, it's mostly for the undeniables the auto casting the extra damage and cabal point or and command points that i tend to that's where most of mine tend to go uh, how often what's your burn rate on those like do you save them up Oh, so they, they go out you, you generate them every turn so at the beginning at the beginning of your psychic phase you count how many points you have um and so i tend to you know I, I tend to maybe have one maybe two left at the end depending on how I've, how many i've gotten which which direction i go with them um but generally i'm using using them for about i'm using 16 to 16 to 20 is about right it's either two eight point uh powers or and a four or two fours and an, and an eight is basically what it winds up being so can give you some explosive turns so i just you know wanted to kind of go through the details to so, so have people know what to be looking out for or to ask yeah. when they roll up to a thousand sun player so i mean that in general what you want to keep an eye out for is the fact that they can add add the, add the extra mortals to, to any smite so you can for a cp and for cabal points you can turn a smite into an automatic three plus d3 which is which can be kind of kind of a surprise to some people when they pop up especially if they can do an extra power there's a there's an option to use cabal points to cast a power that you've already cast um even if the unit doesn't know it as long as somebody on the table knows it um so you can have a unit of say rubric pop up cast what's what's called uh bolt or uh, doom bolt 
uh, which does three flat mortals, then add for Cabal points. Again, add three, D3 more mortals. And then they could smite and for a CP, do flat three mortals. So you could wind up doing uh, pretty easily six plus D3 mortals out of a little five-man unit just deep struck into your, into your area um, out of nowhere. And it's not unfeasible to see that happen regularly. I want to get into a bit of the actual how this list plays on the table. I've seen the the basic core to this army is 20 Terminators, a bunch of rubrics, and the same three characters I see in every Thousand Suns list, Aramon, the Exalted Sorcerer, and Infernal Master. But I'm always a little bit confused on as to how they play it, because the army is so flexible in its, its deployment options, its redeployment options, its teleportations, the Umberlific Crystal, Deep Strike, Tempo. Like, How do you even get started with this army in making that decision tree? I mean, so in general, I, I look at my opponent, if, they, if they've got guns that have the, uh, guns or close combat that have the ability to reach me turn one, well, let's start, let's move back. I use it, since I use Duplicity, which is the one that's allowed, that allows you, everybody knows a teleport power, so um, they can and gate themselves around the table and then obviously take the crystal which is a relic item which allows you to once per game in the movement phase pick up that character and a unit nearby and move them um, and redeep strike them in the same turn i also take a warlord trait that it has uh the a redeployment option so you get you get up to d3 plus the character to redeploy and you you set that up and so in general what i'll wind up doing is i'll set up the if i'm not gonna if i'm not gonna put something into the middle uh, like we talked about a little bit earlier for you know if Infiltration purposes, one of the rubric squad. I'll set up a Terminator squad kind of right on the line, right smack where I need to go. And the character that has the, you know, that has the redeploy with them and then set up the rest of my army like quasi hidden a little bit. I generally won't be exposed except for that unit. Um, and then if I, if I go first, I can redeploy my Terminators up to where I need them, my other Terminator unit up to where I'd want them to be or move some of the rubrics around. Or if I'm not going first, then it guarantees that I can at least tuck that back behind the way you can build, uh, thousand suns is honestly most games i'm not scoring if it's a game where i'm not right on top of objectives i'm only scoring four maybe eight in the first two to three turns of the game on primary uh they're the way i've structured my thousand suns they're very much a late game push kind of army um i can i can seed the field to most opponents and tear them apart for the first two turns and then start playing and still get up to the to the maxes that i need to hit to win the games that's such an interesting approach. I, I love it, really, because one of the biggest challenges I face when I foray in the Thousand Suns every now and then on the stream is that I, my army's not tough in close combat. Minus one damage only applies in shooting, and then all this dust isn't helpful when they're in damage two and three. And there's lots of that in close combat. So staying away from them makes a lot of sense. But then as I, the problem with staying away from them is you kind of give away primary control and your opponent runs away with the scoreboard. But you basically just said you, you've built that into your plan. You're totally cool with your scoreboard you're scoring fours on primary maybe how do you come back from that deficit so in general i i, I assume most, most of them have that secondary primary um and a lot of times i'm picking that up so i'm, I'm still picking up two to four extra points a turn um on primary outside of just the hold objectives and then you're but at the end of the game i always figure if i'm going last it's much easier obviously but if i'm going first i'm only scoring eight to twelve generally turn three four five uh but that's still gonna net you i mean even if you're even if you're running slow that you know what eight plus plus 24 that's still 32 primary point and then you can sometimes pick up a little bit extra here or there but it 
it's the fact that my secondaries in general, I'm sitting most of the time at a, at a guaranteed 39 and, and I'm good at taking away their primary and secondary points. Cause my army doesn't give up any good secondaries. And most of the time people will pick a poor, the witch, which is a little bit of a trap. Um, nobody's picked assassinate, which is good. People finally caught on to not doing that. But even, even I, I the only thing I give up outside of a poor, the witch is, uh, no prisoners, but it's pretty hard to pull no prisoners off of uh, a list that's deliberately hiding behind things the entire game and kind of just poking out when they need to until they make a push. And the Terminators allow you to do that. They allow you to pick off the things that can hurt the Terminators in the early turns, and then nothing can hurt the Terminators as you move out the rest of the game and just stand on things and take things away from people. And the whole army being obsec is kind of a boon that way, too. I can just throw a single you know rubric on some things nowadays the way things are built and take stuff away from people and keep them from scoring so if i could just try to summarize it all up basically this army is super in a way deceptive um i was literally thinking i'll take no prison against duplicitous duplicitous yeah there's 60 termy wounds there's um 50 rubric wounds there's 10 cultist wounds tons of points for no prisoners but like you said i'm just gonna hide for half the game or you are rather and then it's not like you're not capable of ruining your opponent's score because you have, you've bought more than the three five-man rubrics requisite to a battalion. You went for five and called this. You have so many little obsec squads that you can just uh, temporal surge out, double move, and just get on objective. It doesn't get you the same stranglehold that it used to, but in the missions, um, like conversion and death and zeal, it gets you mission primary, contest and objective, really lets you keep pace in the primary while you're just blasting away and mortaling from afar and, to, and crippling them. Is that the idea? That's generally the way it winds up working. So, I guess, how, how big of a factor is your redeployment options with this plan, the duplicity and the Umbrella of the Crystal? I, I imagine this plan, you don't really go for, like, turn one Umbrella of the Crystal, turn these up, duplicity the other squad up, and just 20 termies in your face. I've had that happen to me. It's a very overwhelming thing. It can absolutely crush your opponent and break their back, but it seems to be totally not what you're up to. Do you ever flex into that or is it just not a thing? It's pretty rare that I flex into it. And mostly just because um I I, I like like you come back from that. It's if you expose that hard and anything slips, then you're done. You don't have any tools left after that. Um because that th- those are your hammer meant to break the back. And if somebody happens to roll hot, you roll a little low. Now you're exposed without any of your characters with you that do a lot of their damage too. So I tend to just be slow and my methodical about it i mean if i need to break if i feel like that's the only chance i've got to win the game i'll go for the break back play um but most of the time i know where i'm gonna end up point wise and i can normally keep my opponent pretty low down to where i'm just i know i'm gonna get past them even if dice go a little weird as long as i take my time and i'm patient with it it's probably the only army i'm actually any patient at all with most of my other stuff i tend to just run at people i was gonna say bro this is like the least you i've ever heard you be on a podcast like patient turn five (laughs) hide behind walls i'm like did you did you even watch me play a lot (laughs) it's the uh the the, it's not my nids or Admech version of Brad. It's 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 my T son's version of Brad. So yeah, I never seen this side. <laughs> that, that is pretty cool. We can walk through some maybe some of the uh, HQ choices you mentioned. I mean, well, Nick, you mentioned that these are kind of the the bog standard HQ choices for for any Thousand Suns list. And I will say it's pretty compelling. Like they they bring some stuff to to the list. But you know, are you bringing them because of convention, or are they actually you know really? The best thing to be put, or, or in even what is the purpose list. of these things? Yeah, so the 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 infernal master is pretty straightforward. Um, he used to also be the ori car- carrier because he'd always 
be walking around behind the Terminators. But he's also there for the extra strength to bolters, which allows me to basically dunk a knight with a Terminator squad. Um, using strats and everything else, you can basically get 50 shots that hit on twos, re-rolling ones, and wound t- knights on fours at AP two. Uh, so what winds up happening is, you know, that that that's your that's your big your big guy killer, and they're all damage ones, so and all of that all the defensive buffs and everything else don't matter. Um, your guy's gonna they're they're gonna port all these things in to keep their knights alive that just don't apply. So he's there for those two purposes. He's also got the the, the healing power, uh, and a big part of that is healing the unit before you set, before you gate it off, and then before that way you can generate the new uh, replacement terminator that you might have lost earlier in the game to get those five inch charges out of deep strike. Um, shorter if they ever let us run through walls the way that GWs now change the rules to. But for now, five inch charges most of the time. The uh, a Herman is just he guarantees that your defensive powers are going off with the rerolls and his his speed he's it, it's you're paying basically 20 more points to make sure that your your powers are going off your minus one to hits your plus one to hits and your four up invul saves and i find myself putting the four up invul save on things that aren't the terminators a lot of the time because with between all is dust and aoc there's not a whole lot of things that i'm taking on more than a four up if i'm not standing if i'm standing in cover so um but that's what he's around for and then the main damage dealer is the other exalted on the disc um three powers you know he's shooting off bolt he's shooting off smite he's shooting off uh the just firestorm um with the scrolls to give him the ability to do it on 3d6 and because you're you're fishing for that nine so you do more damage a little or do damage a little easier on mortals the only one that's outside of the norm is really is my sorcerer uh my slotless one he's got the the, the aether stride warlord trait uh, which allows him to move nine inches like he flies. And then he's got the uh, ability to do a psychic action and still cast another psychic power. And that kind of gets into my secondary choices. A lot of people like to take psychic interrogation with um, Thousand Sons. I've actually found that Warp Ritual is my bread and butter because he just runs out from behind a wall or from behind the Terminators, and grabs it, and then flies right back behind him. Um, and then it's just an automatic 12 points every game that's literally unstoppable. I did not not get 12 um all through ATC and all through this event, which is 12 game or yeah, 12 games. Um, I didn't miss it one time in 12 games getting a 12 on it because of just the ability to automatically do it. And it fr- it's a frustrating thing for your opponent. That's pretty good. Uh, you mentioned the, so what I have not seen in every list is the necessarily the equipment of the, this, the disc on all of them. And you just kind of mentioned almost like a, a third uh, fast moving option for what is not a historically fast moving Yep. <laughs> with the nine inch move there. That's some experience attack. What what led to that choice? Um I, I was doing I like I originally was gonna do an as exalted um back before we start started getting kicked for having, you know, too many things. Before the CP change and, and the, the newest packet change, I had a exalted that I was doing that with. Um and then I had to find a way to scale back. And that was the only way that I found that I was fast enough to do those things while still being able to tuck in, especially in terrain. When you can when you can player place terrain, you can make it so that you can literally jump out of a wall and jump back behind a wall. So it's not it's just one of those things that over time it, it evolved into the list because I, I realized when I played NIDS that psychic interrogation wasn't necessarily my friend. And you have you wind up overexposing a lot for it and missing points. And you almost always miss at least one psychic interrogation. So if you're going to miss one and you could potentially miss more if your opponent gets cheeky, why not just take the automatic 12 and go the other route with Ritual? Yeah, I find Ritual to be my go-to over second interrogation pretty much across the board with my psychic armies. Um, 
Interestingly enough, though, you you said when you when your opponent is, has denies you, basically forced through a psychic ritual, which makes perfect sense because you're forcing through points, basically. But do you ever yeah. find your army is contingent on your other powers going off, like Weaver, Glamour, the duplicity spell to teleport, or maybe a warp time, um, and then you're at a torn situation between like your play working, where maybe like you're casting warp time or teleporting, and your opponent could deny that, where your points not working, where you just get denied. So and that's the and and that's the joy of, of warp time or of warp ritual itself too, right? Because you only need to do it three times. So if you get it off the first time when nothing else matters, um, and then you get it off and randomly you need you need to make sure your teleport works somewhere else, or you need to get another undeniable through, then you run the risk with it. But you can get it off three different times. And he's not the only one that can do it. He's just the one that does it easiest um, and the most freewheeling. But if I ever need to double move somebody else, or sometimes I've already moved the Terminators up to the middle, so he just hangs out the middle of the Terminators and doesn't need that second move, in which case he's casting you know, an extra smite or this or that. It, uh, the ability to only need to do it three times is what makes it work because the, the other times I, gen I generally don't need to force something else through somewhere else um, more than twice a game. Yeah, I like that. You basically are taking advantage of the fact that Warp Ritual only has to happen three times and timing your turn. So you Warp Ritual sometimes, you teleport other times, and you make your plays and make sure it works. It's very consistent. Yeah, and that's the thing, too, is having having those fast disc characters most of the time, wherever you happen to be towards the end of the game, if you've lost that other character and you need to do it, you just kind of scoot over and do it with one of those instead. So the, the option turn five to do it where it's not going to affect anything else is pretty high. So you just you're looking for those two other turns and turn one is almost a gimme. And then, you know, one of the other three, you need to find a time to do it. So it tends to it tends to work out pretty well. I haven't I haven't run into too many issues trying to have to force through too many things at once. I want to switch gears a second and talk about the rest of your army, Rubric Marines and Scarab Termies. Now this is nothing new, and you've already ex kind of explained why you've gone for extra squads of Rubrics and, as your variational difference. But I find your weapon loadouts really intriguing. Your Scarab Termies skipped the Soul Reaper cannons, which is like a staple on every term unit. They can pump out a lot of good APs reshooting, and then. Your rubric marines did take them, but not all your squads. Some took flamers, and then one squad took both flamers and soul reapers. This is pretty all over the place from the onlookers' eyes. So, what is this about? So, the, I mean, the, on the on the terminators, I've never felt paying five points uh, to increase the strength of four shots and to add a fifth shot was really worth it. So that's kind of where those that that's the reason for the drop. There it wasn't that the extra two shots per squad just didn't make that much of a difference in my testing. I actually uh, really liked it for um, the AP though. Did you not find the AP that useful? No, it's just one extra AP, and most of the time, uh, they're they're going after most things I'm going after are going to be they're going to have the saves. Uh, they're either going to have the saves um, or I'm hitting an invul at that point where it's not going to matter so like for instance going against knights that that makes no difference because you're hitting a four up invul um if it, it can help out against sisters and things like that if they're not you know if they're in cover then cool now you're giving them a four up instead of a three up but if i'm shooting squads like that with my terminators they're mostly dying anyway um and it prevents me and this is this is one of those personal choices that once you come to understand yourself when you play i uh will do i'll, I'll I'll, I'll spread out my stuff when I think there's a good chance that when I run the numbers and the numbers say it should happen, I'll spread my shots out, which has never worked out for me well. Um, and so this prevents me from going like, oh yeah, the numbers say this should happen. I'm going to do that and splitting my shots up and try to actually get the job done, that, the main job done that I need to, instead of trying to pick up a little bit extra and get greedy. So that's a, a part of it's a, an efficiency thing for me. Part of it's points going somewhere else. But a lot of it is also just knowing myself and being like, nope, that's a trap. 
I love that. <laughs> Self-awareness all the way down into list design. Keep yourself from making mistakes mid-game. I love it. Yeah, it's 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 one of those things. You you've seen me get greedy. So, um, it, it, and so on the squads though, like it, for five points to to add, you know, to add basically that many extra strength six shots in the bolter squads was kind of a gimme. The and in the squad, I had five extra points with one of the squads, so I put it with the or two extra points in one of the squads with flamers. So I wanted to ha- them to have a little bit of reach just in case they kind of pick stuff off farther away while flaming something close. But most, and then the other two squads are my infiltrator or throwaway units, the the five flamers, generally because you can toss those up, make a hole for your terminators, do something, you know, or double move them, um, especially since you can, you know, run them, then move them and then flame. So your, your range on a flamer is like 27 inches, which is pretty fantastic when you're looking at it. So they can get where you need to and clear those extra screens. And I find that it's nice to have the flamers too for armies like Harlequins, um, even sisters, uh, you know, th- things that can't necessarily turn off your, your, your char or turn off your overwatch. Um, and keeping a couple of extra points to just make those squads unchargeable has turned into uh, a beautiful extra little tool for when you get over there. Cause you're like, well, you could take care of me, but there's, they're really tough models when it comes down to it. You can't really shoot them off. You do need to remove them in close combat and getting to them becomes a pain in the ass when you've got that many, that many flamer hits automatically hitting at AP two. Yeah. I, you can feel like the, the reps you've put in with your army bleeding into your list design choices. Like you wouldn't think of adding flamers to a soul reaper squad because it's like range confliction, but you do think about it as in terms of overwatch because you don't want your squad engaged because of the types of units that have to go into the ways your opponent has to deal with it. That kind of experience is, is awesome and how you really go 6-0 at the Lone Star Open. So well done. Yeah, comp- compensating for a potential weakness. I mean, that's especially if you go into it, you mentioned that you said you're a little bit weak to Blood Angels and, and Sisters and they are the ultra close combat and, and do rely on kind of getting in close and, and doing a heck of a lot of damage. And if you can reduce that damage you're taking, the outcome of the game may go a little bit more in your favor as well. Yep, exactly. And nice. Let's take a quick break. I do a little station identification, and then we'll come back and maybe talk about some uh, command point usage. Like what you're listening to? Be sure to check out the second part of this episode, where we break down specifically how our guest plays against all the top armies in the game. Want even more awesome Warhammer content? Check out the War Room. The War Room. You'll gain access to the minds of the best Warhammer players in the world with brand new content every single week. Join our amazing community, elevate your game, and enjoy your hobby more. We are back, everybody. Talking to Brad Townsend. Getting out of body here. Hello. Hello. Thanks for hanging in after the break. So yeah, talk about we start the game with two command points, which is not a lot of command points. Maybe it is. Maybe it's you know a ton it's a of new world, as, new economy compared. You know, command points are tough these days. Yeah, just maybe just the right amount. Uh, but that's anyway. That's not a ton. But you had some specific reasons as to as to why you you started with why you thought two was probably the bare minimum. And I know you covered a little bit of that. But what are some other stratagems? Yeah, that you that you know you you kind of keep in your back pocket, uh, wanting to use, or do you compensate for those? Do you even need them because you have cabal points? <laughs> so uh, part of it is having cabal points. So I, I get a little I get a little free with with other things. You can auto pass things. You don't wind up using CP to reroll um, your psychic tests. 
also you get extra CP because of couple all points. So um, I find myself generally having three per turn. You know, so it's fifteen over the course of the game, seventeen once you include or once you include the two I start with. But generally, those are in my back pocket. Initially, that's how many I want to start with because I want to have enough to make sure that I can I can reduce damage if I get if I, if I don't go first um, or to infiltrate some units if I feel like that's the right play. Um, after that, though, it tends to be it just depends on what my opponent is. There, you know, you have the the three d six add them all together deny, which is great for. Our armies that think that it's a good idea to take psychic interrogation or warp ritual against you um or you know to stop their you know stop onslaughts or things like that from going off um, you have the the bonus to you know the bonus number of shots taking your bolters from 40 shots to 50 shots on your 10-man terminator bricks there's obviously the one cp to bring back a model to a healthy unit for the terminator so you can toss a you know if you roll a natural nine or use your cabal points to get a to get a warp charge nine uh smite off then you can turn around and put a terminator down for a cp and get that model back there's just there's a lot of utility plays in the in in the thousand suns book i wouldn't say there's any that i use every single turn every single game the one that happens the most often is the bring back the terminator um or if you don't need to and it'll help a small squad get onto an objective you can also do the same thing with rubrics if you lost the guy before that they can get do the exact same thing put another rubric down down. But that's kind of what winds up happening with them. I, it, there's probably 15 decent strat. I finally actually used the Overwatch or the Auspex scan strat on su- on Sunday when I was playing against Sisters. They came on and from a table edge, and I burned down like you know five out of eight Repentia, um, which makes that much less scary when they're going to auto make their charging. So um, there's a lot of tools there, but you just you you generate enough over the course of the game that you're not worrying about it too much. But you just want to make sure you have that initial bit to blunt if you don't go first, or to kind of get the upper hand on. The missions where you say you don't get CP unless you're sitting on an objective to start with. Um, so if you're going second on that mission, we all know nobody ever gets CP if you don't have an infiltrate or forward deploying unit and go first. You're not going to wind up with extra CP. So having that CP to put that guy on top of there to start generating right away gets you back into it pretty quick. Yeah, this is the uh, recover the relics mission. There, I, I do yeah. agree with your general philosophy of Thousand Suns and my little experience with them. It's, it's a ton of utility strats, and I, without the tons of reps that you put in, um, have found myself overwhelmed and unsure because it's like bringing back a Terminator is good, extra shots are good, 2CP infiltrate I, I see that's really useful uh, maybe I want to re-roll a psychic test that, that's important and it's really easy to spend your CP especially if you feel pressure to use the minus 1 damage strat on something like Terminators, even just 1CP on rubrics. So what is there like a process you use to determine what CP to spend where and where to invest in each specific game? Is that matchup by matchup? Or like, how do you determine when to use what? It tends to be matchup on matchup. Um, I actually didn't use the damage reduction strat, I don't think, on my Terminators at all over the course of LSO. Um, I did use it more than a few times on the rubrics themselves because it's it's cheap and it's easy. And most of the time, somebody's trying to toss something that direction with a bunch of, you know, AP2 damage and you're, or damage 2 stuff. And you're like, haha, sucker, you know, and all of a sudden they've got to really invest to pull you off of that point if they're trying to shoot you off because they can't charge it. So it's it's very, very much in, in turn by turn, honestly. Um, I will think to myself that I need, you know, I'll keep two in the back pocket if I know that I'm playing something like Sisters where I want to kill one of the two close combat units that charge the Terminator brick. Um, or I'll keep, you know, the one the, the one if I know I need the Overwatch. Um, but most of the time, it's it's very much depend. I, I found myself honestly only using the extra shots, I think, a few times this weekend. The plus to wound is the one that comes up probably the most for me. Um, and even then, and 
that's just so the two terminators can shoot tanks and wound on fives instead of one squad being able to wound on fours and one squad on sixes um allows me to kind of pull down lehman russes with the terminator squads if i need to like i did my first round um i had to play some i, I had to play tank commanders and new tank commanders are very tough so you want to spread around and get as much as you can on them at the same time yeah makes a lot of sense just being able to kind of play your army like the toolbox that it is is what I'm seeing. Yeah, it's uh, that's that's the thing. It's just a giant mishmash of things that you can pull out when you need them. So I see you've skipped a lot of the utility pieces to, to Thousand Suns. You pretty much just brought Rubrics, Terminators, and a unit of 10 cultists to help out having some sort of cheap stuff. But you no know, spawn. I've seen spawn be like solo spawn or five-man units. No 10-man Rubrics, no Rhino, nothing like that. Uh, have you tried those units out and decided not for you? Or is, what's the thought reasoning behind that? So I tried the I, I tried the spawn pretty hard. I went in with five man units a little bit. I went in with individuals. Um, I had three solos. I had two solos and four mans. They just they don't do any. I, I I found that I'm not needing to zone out too much anyway. Uh, most of the time, the the actual deep strike threats have been pretty and redeploy threats have been pretty drastically reduced. To be honest with you, um, well, and people found, are zoning against you. Like if you're zoning, you're just neither one of y'all are doing anything. Yeah, and, and that, that's that, that's a big part of it too. Is they they don't have the chance to do stuff to me because uh, whatever whatever I'm going to do to them is going to be way worse than the points they can possibly get off me for for running around behind me. Um, so. And then on top of that, every time I tried to hit something with spawn over the course of probably 15 games, um, I think they killed three models. <laughs> so um, it just turned into a unit that I decided hated me. So they went out. The I, I tried Enlightened for a little bit of faster uh, move block stuff. Um, they just didn't have the survivability to do it for for as long as I needed them to. Um, and those were the first try. And then I went to the then I went to the spawn, which do have the durability, but don't really offer anything more and if i'm spending 80 you know if i'm spending 92 points on four spawn it's 13 points to get me five rubrics instead which are pound for pound are actually going to be way tougher they're obsec they actually can contribute shooting wise um and they're adding to my cabal point so um rhinos i haven't found a need for them yet that's just kind of an extra target for my opponents um i found i can't hide those on top of other things um and then most of the rest of the book is, I mean, there's, it, yeah, I've tried the Enlightened, I've tried the Spawn, the, the Rhinos, man. The 10-man, I, I I went back and forth pretty hard on the 10-man, on a 10-man instead of, uh, and doing three, you know, three by five and a 10 instead of uh, the five by five um, before ATC. And uh, we eventually flipped the coin and came down with the five by five. I feel like they both have their uses. And I well, like that. Was that, that a literal coin having, flip? Huh? Was that it a was literal? a literal coin it was a literal flip because um, I, I like I like the idea of having an extra hammer, right? Having that extra unit that that you can buff up and, and can be that that offensive thing. But that came back to also partially knowing myself, and I'm more likely to waste CP and do do the do the infiltrate when I probably shouldn't be doing it if I have a ten man than if I have five mans. So again, it's preventing myself from making mistakes by not putting something in the list that'll help me make a mistake. So yeah, that's very fair. So. Uh, I think we, we talked about how you don't really go for turn one, teleport across the table and blast people plays with your with your rubric with your duplicity and your umbles of the crystal. But maybe is there a position maybe mid game, turn three, turn two even, where maybe your opponent's screens are a little bit lighter or they're not super defended against it, where you'll break up your strategy to go send one terminator unit out or go crush somebody mid game? Yeah, I'll absolutely sacrifice a full Terminator unit if I think it'll break. If I think it'll change the entire tempo of the game, um, in an opening for it, that's 
that's why I have two. I mean, in my opinion, that's why you have two of the units if you're playing defensively, because you could fit a lot of other stuff in for 400 points if you're going to play that kind of blowy game. But having a squad of Terminators that you can just be like, cool, clear that spot. This is mine. And even start doing, you know, a, an action like Burn Empires if you've used the crystal um, on an objective early and be like, see if you can kill him or I'm getting points. It, it it can be an act, and I, I can also use it to bait stuff out. Like you toss out a 10 man because you know the, they have to throw a bunch of the threats that could kill your Terminators. And a lot of times people will overcommit what they do because they want to make sure it dies because, you know, Thousand Suns can bring guys back. So if you only kill two, uh, or if you if you leave two, then I could have three next turn and four the turn after that. And even three or four Terminators are good for clearing backspace, good for clearing small units. They're still a threat to a lot of the stuff that people bring nowadays. So people tend to overcompensate and they'll throw everything in there. And all of a sudden, you they, they've shot their wad for what could have killed two Terminator units. And you've got the now you control the tempo of the game because they can't get through your other one. Yeah, I think that's a great, great point. It's just like the dynamics to your army lets you play really riskily with the one. I'm excited to unpack exactly how you play this army in a specific army's next round, and specifically also what can beat it and how do you approach playing against Thousand Suns. I think that's a really unknown topic, uh, and I'm really excited to explore it. Paul, anything else you want to ask Brad in part one? I do like how you, you pointed out that overcommitting to the Terminators is kind of wise, because if that if that unit is left to its own devices, or you just roll a little bit above average for saves, then you've yep. created a, a problem that potentially can't be solved by your opponent yeah and that, that that's kind of what it is it's uh it's very I've, I've had more than a few games where i'm like well this depends that, that this turn's going to decide whether or not they still get to play the game and then you know you roll those dice and you find out if if, it, if there's a really a reason for a turn four and five at that point because you might have broken their back so. so there we go that's the game within a game they got to convince you to make a gutsy play get your terminators out there and then take them all out yeah uh, in a way you know easier said than done of course I want to thank everybody for listening so far and uh, remind you this is part one of a, a two-part conversation. Part two is for subscribers. You might want to join us there. If you were uh, just listening to this uh, this part of the show, please leave us a five-star review. Leave us a thumbs up. Leave us a comment on the YouTube page or anywhere you, you listen to the podcast. That's another way that people can experience the show. You'll, you'll trick the algorithms into letting people know that we exist. And they'll, they'll come hang out with us as well. Brad, it's been a pleasure talking with you. If you hold on tight, we're going to pick this conversation up in just a couple of minutes. Nick, I'll see you there. Thanks so much, everybody. Like what you just listened to? Check out Art of War Down Under and Art of War Unbroken on the competitive 40K network. TheArtOfWar40K.com